What a blessing. None but Zion's children know. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. We, uh, we get to read Psalm, those words come from Psalm 87, and we'll refer to that this morning, but I want you to turn to Psalm 48, if you will, that's similar in describing the city of God in Mount Zion. And before we read Psalm 48, I want to hand out some spectacles. I want to give you some glasses from the New Testament Amen. so that you can, like we sang in the song, appreciate what David was referring to in prophecy of the New Testament church. So be looking through Psalm 48, but let me throw out some verbiage from the New Testament to help us understand what he was prophesying of, and then to understand what we have to revel in and to celebrate this morning. We are the temple of God. Wow. We're the temple of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In fact, we recall that Peter was specifically called out as being the rock that the church was built on. Jesus himself is the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. So what does this building look like? Well, it's fitly framed together, growing into an holy temple of the Lord. It's builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. These are all phrases and descriptions given to us of the church and of the spiritual Mount Zion. It's called in the New Testament, it's called the house of God, the church of the living God. It's also called the pillar and ground of the truth. So keep in mind all these things. We'll come back to them as we see some of them in Psalm 48. Listen to this from Hebrews and and Brother Gerald. I referred to it this morning. Ye are coming to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. What else are we come to? We're come to an innumerable company of angels. We're come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. That's what we're come to. We're come to the God, the judge of all. We're come to. We're come to the spirits of just men made perfect in heaven. We have mystic sweet communion, as we sing, with the spirits of just men made perfect in that they are our fathers in the faith that are already in heaven. And we're going to see them one day. So think of some of those spiritual applications as we stand together and read Psalm 48. Please, let's all stand. Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of a great king. God is known in your houses for a refuge, for the beloved. The kings were assembled. They had passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in betrayal. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. See We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. 
Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her houses that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Amen. 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 Please be seated. What I'd like to do for the next couple minutes is help all of us consider some of the towers and the bulwarks and the distinguishing characteristics of the Mount Zion that we're a part of. And I want to start with some of the ones that are found right here in this psalm. But I'll give you I'll give away the purpose of this before we start that ye may tell it to the generation following. Our intent this morning is to consider some of the marks of a true church of God and of Mount Zion and what makes it so special. And why is it that great? Why is it the joy of the whole earth? Why is it so beautiful to help you bring out in light of the New Testament some of those marks and characteristics that should be true in our church, but are definitely true in the true church of the New Testament? Consider some of these significant features of the church that we can revel in, that we can celebrate, that we can enjoy, that we can delight in. Consider the holiness of God and the holiness of the church from verse 1. In the mountain of his holiness. Is there anyone, anything so perfect and holy as God? He is great in his holiness. His truth reaches under the clouds, we're told. We should match that holiness as well as we can with our own life in being holy. God only accepts worship from holy men and women. Let's do that. Look at verse 2. Beautiful for situation. What is beautiful about Mount Zion? What is beautiful about the church of the New Testament? Beauty of holiness is one. Consider these other psalms. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Consider this from, I think it's Psalm 27. Uh, David's singular prayer was to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire at his temple. So the beautiful holiness, the beautiful ordinances that he establishes for our practice, the beautiful descriptions of his righteousness, the true and perfect way that he describes how we're to live and how we're to please him, all that is beautiful and it's perfect. The beauty of holiness. Look also verse 2. The joy of the whole earth. Look down in verse 11. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. The joy of the whole earth. A true Israelite would have looked at Jerusalem and thought it the pearl of the world. And to be honest, since God's oracles were given there and his true church was settling, his worship was celebrated and performed there, it was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the true church of God is the joy of the whole earth. Any light, any true joy that anyone else on the planet has, it's because they borrowed it or stole it from us. We're the true church. They don't have any light except for the oracles of God that we love and preach and live. Consider verse 3, that God is known in her palaces for a refuge. By the way, where else is he known for a refuge? He's not. He's a terrible, awful being to the rest of the world. But in here, in his palaces, in his temple, in his habitation, he is known for a refuge by whom? Those holy men and women who have experienced him to be such in their life. We know him, and only we know him to be a refuge, as described here. Verses 4 through 7 describe what happens when enemies 
spiritual or perhaps uh, from Chronicles and Samuel, many physical enemies came up to Jerusalem and said, nah, we ain't touching that. It stood for a long time. We're told from, from historical descriptions that it was kind of set out on a promontory that three sides, the east, south, and west, was a, a deep ravine, a deep valley. And it was, it was almost impenetrable if you approached it from any side. And it said, beautiful situation, um, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king, that's where Jerusalem was, on the northern side of that Mount Zion. And so that was the only way you could get to it, was through Jerusalem. And it was almost impenetrable. It was, it was amazing to look at. Some of the descriptions were just absolutely beautiful and incredible. That fortress. Consider, though, the awe-inspiring beauty that we ought to have as the true church of Jerusalem and the impenetrable fortress and refuge that we are from the wiles of the devil and from the world around us. Verse 9. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. Similar to refuge, God's love is a great tower and a great mark and a great characteristic of the folks that are in his church and enjoy him to be such and find him to be loving kind. Consider verse 11, the judgments. Let Mount Zion rejoice because of thy judgments. Wise laws. Remember Moses saying that this is your life. I think it was Moses. Maybe it was Joshua said this is your life. The wisdom of the laws and the decisions. Out of Zion shall go forth the law, Isaiah said. We have these principles and orders of God to live by that the rest of the world does not have and cannot appreciate. They're wise. Consider in verse 14, for this God is our God forever and ever, a guide unto death. Consider the eternality of his covenant with us as being a tower that we are to appreciate and can only hear about in the church. Right. Flip over, hold your finger there and flip over to Psalm 87. Where, uh, where the song we just sang comes from. Uh, 87, verse 3. Glorious things of thee are spoken, O city of God. It was funny. When David was writing this, and probably some of the other prophets, you can almost see sometimes, if you just had his perspective when he wrote it, he must have looked at the words and said, you sure about that one? I don't understand fully everything I just wrote, but yeah, my heart's a dotting in good matter, but I'm not sure I understand it. But we, with the spectacles of the New Testament, can look back and understand it with startling clarity and understand exactly what he was prophesying. Out of Zion, look at verse 5, I like this. Out of Zion it shall be said that this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. So whatever Zion is, it was going to be huge, and you would mark your birth around Zion. Oh, I was born in Zion. Ah, okay. Special kind of person, special kind of uh, genealogy. Verse 6, the Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. Selah. Oh. So the Lord looks on your birth in Zion as being important in his sight, and he writes it up. Oh, special people are in Zion. Yes, we're his sons and daughters, and he lives among us. It's huge. Consider some of the other bulwarks of the church of God that we just referred to in looking in the New Testament. Consider that the apostles and prophets are our foundation. That's big. What other religion can prove that? Consider that Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. And by the way, he is also described as a stumbling stone and a rock of offense to some. But to others, us, he's described as the rock of ages. 
consider the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is a tower. I'm just describing some towers so you can tell it to the generation following what's so important and so special about the New Testament church. The gifts and presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter among us. Consider how this church is fitly framed. Um, this is New Testament words, compact together, knit together, even as different as we are. As in, in other New Testament churches, as different members and stones are built together, how we all work together as one body. That's neat. Consider that we're the pillar and ground of the truth. The doctrines of true faith, which are the strength and glory of the church. We have got to maintain those in their integrity against false heresy and pass them on unadulterated and unmitigated to our children who can also relish and defend them like we have. And so that they could build their lives on the same pillar and ground as we have. Consider our witnesses that are in heaven and all around us. Consider our judge, the dread judge of all. But somehow that judge has imputed the righteousness of his son to some people so that we have nothing to fear. Is he great? So I ask you, is he great? Like verse one, is he great? In your eyes. Now look down at uh, look down at verse ten. Uh, I'm sorry, which one is it? About hearing and then seeing. Verse eight. I'm sorry. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of Hosts. Have you heard of His greatness from the previous generation? Perhaps some of us yes, some of us no. Have you heard by reading in Scripture of His greatness? Yes. Right. But have you seen it in your own life and in this church? His greatness. Absolutely we have. So that our own lives and our own hearts, we can look inside, look around us, and affirm that that great God, as described in Scripture, is among us. Yes, we have seen it. We have seen jobs just come out of nowhere. People that, just just phenomenal how the Lord has taken care of us. Houses. Uh, people moving and finding everything that they need uh, after they've given up something for the kingdom of God. He takes care of them in amazing ways. It's unbelievable. Right. Spouses coming from nowhere. Sicknesses, we know of at least two confirmed diagnosed illness, three confirmed diagnosed illnesses that suddenly vanished when the next step of medical whatever was taken. Just gone. The Lord's taking care of us in uh, unbelievable ways. So if you've seen it in your own life, I can think of nothing more delightful, nothing more important, nothing more satisfying, nothing more rewarding, nothing more urgent and nothing more necessary than making our praise and the greatness of our praise match his greatness, as verse 1 describes, and then teaching our children to do the same.